Um, so we are in the middle of the sugya of uh, Das Torah to understand a little bit of what does it mean to have Das Torah, what does it mean to have a Rebbe, what does it mean to have someone to follow, which is such a chosh of Indian in our generation, especially in all the turbulent times that we're dealing with. There can be nothing clearer, as Chazal tell us, there is nothing better than having a sophic resolved. If you have a question, what do you do? If you have a direction, which way do I go? You, you know, it's so much easier to have that. So, Ramchan Kanievsky Shlita once explains, it's a beautiful sefer called the Archas Yosha. So he writes over there that even though the Gemara tells us clearly that already the, since the time of the Nevi'im, we do not have Ruach HaKodesh in Klal Yisrael, but he writes that there are lower levels of Ruach HaKodesh that even exist um, nowadays, and he elaborates that says that at times, a what is it that a um, a rov, a chacham, a tamul chacham, a rebbe will have a certain amount of ruach hakodesh that will basically cause him to feel that he's being notified something from shemayim, right? Which is which is an incredible thing. We had a couple of ideas last time. I want to mention a couple this time as well, just just to give you an idea. Not that these things are necessarily practical nagir to us. But sometimes a person can have this thing, you know, what is, as we said yesterday, does the God really know? Does he really understand? Is he down to earth? What does he understand about generations? You know, people, I've had this question from people, you know, people go to Gedolim and ask about children of the Derech, right? It's, it's a very common thing. I'm sure we've all seen videos of Gedolim in Eretz Yisrael that have been asked about what do we do with kids of the Derech? What do we do with this situation? And, and you know, Bochum has sometimes asked me, like, you know, this is a God Ladar, he's sitting learning all day. What does he know? The Ksai, he knows Kadega and the Rashba. He understands kids going off the derech. He understands the challenges of our generation. He understands how to deal with it. And the answer is, first of all, often yes, because they'll be asked many times by different people, so they'll be clued in. But even without that, there's a certain siyata de Shemaya that they get from being in their position that they're able and they get the siyata de Shemaya. Siyata de Shemaya means they get help from Shemaim. They get help from Shemaim, what to say. I'll give you a couple of examples, okay? Um, this is an incredible example. There is a, um, a yid called um, Rabbi Yaakov Moshe Rabinowitz. So he was, he was a yid in America. He lived in, and he was married in 1949. That's when he got married. He lived in the east side of Manhattan. Now he had a daughter. After this daughter was born, his wife suffered uh, four miscarriages in a row. That's a terrible, terrible thing, terrible tzah. She wanted to have more children to build a family. Four miscarriages in a row. The doctor told the couple, a young couple, and in one child, that it was very, very dangerous for her to have another baby. And he even recommended surgery so that to make sure that she would not have another child because it was very dangerous for her to, to get pregnant to have another child. They decided to get a second opinion and they went to go to another doctor to see what this other doctor would say. And this other doctor, the second opinion, said exactly the same thing. In this medical situation, this woman is dangerous for her to have children. I also recommend that she has surgery to make sure and ensure that she does not get pregnant to have another child. Now, this yid, Rabbi Yaakov Moshe uh, Rabinowitz, was walking in Williamsburg. And his in-laws, his Schwernish figure, lived in Williamsburg. And he was walking there, and it was, he, was, he was really upset. He was walking down and dejected, you know, never, I want to have a family, I want to build a family. I only have one daughter, it's beautiful, Baruch Hashem, I'm thankful to have the daughter. But I want to have, you know, can I know, I want to have a lot more children. And he was really, really upset. You know, he was trying to digest the news that the doctor was saying, that's it, you're never going to have another child, have a family of one child, you know. He wanted to have, it was really heartbroken. And there was a yid, there was a yid there, a young man, who was a chassid of the Stalin Rebbe, and um, he was walking there, and he saw that he was looking really, really sad. So he said to him, tell me something, is everything okay? Can I help you? Like, what's the situation? What's happening over here? 
And uh, he decided to, you know, he figured he doesn't really know this yet, but, you know, he'll unload a bit. He started to tell him, you know, the story. He had a child and four miscarriages. He went to a doctor. They went to another doctor. Unfortunately, we're not going to have a family. So this year it says to him, do me a favor. I'm a, I'm a Talmud. I'm a, you know, a, a chassid of the stolen Rebbe. Come with me to the Rebbe. Come to the stolen Rebbe. What do you, what do you have to lose? So this is Rabbi Yaakov. Moshe Rabbinus wasn't exactly a chassid. Um, but he knew that he had some cousins or uncles, whatever it is, that were stolen a chassidim. He said, you know what? What I had to lose? What I had to lose to go to the Rebbe? So I go to the Rebbe for a bracha. So he went with this yid to the house of the stolen Rebbe, who lived in an apartment above his shtibel, and they opened up the door. They didn't say a word. They walked in. They opened up the door. The stolen Rebbe was learning his Gemara. He looked up. He saw them. Said the following words. She should stay in bed. Looked down and continued learning Gemara. And continued learning. So they, they tried to like, um, Rebbe, he needs a brother. Nothing, nothing. Didn't want to say, didn't want to look up, didn't want to speak to them. Gunished. He had said what he said, and that was the end of that. They had no idea what to do. So he, this, this yid, this Rabbi Yaakov, when she calls up his wife and says, is everything okay? Um, he also called up his daughter's school in Crown Heights to make sure she was safe. What does that mean? She should stay in bed. Like, what, what does he mean? Maybe he means something crazy is happening. So he called his wife and his daughter's school to make sure everything is okay. A week or two later, they found out very sadly that his wife had had another miscarriage. Then they understood that the rabbi obviously knew that his wife was pregnant and that she should lie down in bed and that would be able to um, keep the baby in that case. So he went back to the rabbi afterwards and with his new friend, he opened the door, the rabbi looked up and says... I told you she should stay in bed. I didn't say a word. I told you she should stay in bed. He started crying. He said, Rebbe, why didn't you tell me you meant my wife? If I only, if I only would have known, I would have done something. So the Rebbe responded in the following way. The Rebbe said, I also didn't know what. I only said what the Rebbe Nishlam put in my mouth to say. And that's what it was. And then they, they, got, they got the Rebbe to say some more, and they tried to figure it out. And then he said, next time, make sure she lies in bed the whole time. And Baruch Hashem, he was Zoycha to have a child. But the idea, what the Stoddard Rebbe was telling us, and that's why I'm bringing you this story, is he said, I, I, I don't understand why I told you what I told you, but I told you what Hashem put in my mouth. In other words, sometimes a person goes to a Rav, he goes to a Godly, he goes to a Tamil Chochem, he goes to a Manik, he goes to a Tzaddik, and the Tzaddik says something. We don't understand it. What does he mean? Do you think he really knows? Uh, a bunch of guys who in politics go to a Chayk and Yeski, they tell him, bah, 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 bah. yes, the vaccine, no, the vaccine, they step into him what to say, and all of a sudden, Rav Chaim says, yes, vaccine, no vaccine, because they just feed into him. It doesn't work that way. When it comes to a Tzaddik, when it comes to a Godel, the Godel, the Tzaddik, says... What the Rabbi Nishanah puts into his mouth. He doesn't need to understand the circumstances. He doesn't need to understand all the medical history and the statistics. Does it work? Does it not work? Is it real? Is it, is it a theory? Is it all a conspiracy? What are they trying to do to us? Oh, these people go to a prime and they just make him say whatever. They... It doesn't work that way. When it comes to Gedolim, and I'm, I'm talking about Gedolim, obviously. You know, we're talking about Gedolim. That, that it doesn't, it, it's, not, it's not the Pshat that, you know, you can make them say whatever they say. They sense something. And, and they say that. Right? Reb Chaim Briska was once walking. And he said over something to, to um, he was talking about his father, the Beis Alevi, That the Beis Alevi was once in a town. And as he was walking, he said, I feel the tumor. I push, I push it, feel the tumor here. They found out afterwards that there was a church in that place where he was standing. So Baruch Be explained that when the Beis Alevi 
He didn't know Beruach HaKodesh. HaKodesh. He felt that there was a church over there. He says, when a person purifies his soul in such a way, then everything becomes more sensitive. It becomes more um, tangible in everything he can sense. And therefore, when it comes to Gedolim, they're able to sense things that we personally cannot sense. Their whole look is looking through the lens of Torah. Somebody was once talking to a Moshe. And he was arguing something. And Ramosha said, his psak or whatever he said, and the guy, which was terrible chutzpah, said to Ramosha, ah, it's a sphora from the gas. Which means that's a sphora from the street. Ramosha got, apparently got upset. Not, obviously not actually upset, but it showed his displeasure. And it was chutzpah to say that. But he said, there's nothing here from the gas. There's nothing here from the street. What does that mean? That when, when you have tzaddikim, you have gedolim, who are saying something, they're, they're totally pure in Torah. Everything that they have is from the Torah. Their whole lens, the way they look at life, is with the lens of the Torah. And therefore, that's what they're saying. So when you're asking someone something, you're not asking him his opinion. You're asking him from the Torah, what does the Torah have to say? And the Torah relates to everything. There isn't a subject in the world that doesn't have a connection and cannot be answered from the Torah. I don't know if you've ever heard, you know, shurim on crazy topics. And like, you know, some interesting topic. You know, take a topic... You know, I don't know, uh, um, we were discussing this, I think, Friday night. You know, the topic of uh, swapping soldiers. You know, when you have a soldier that's been captured by the Arabs, are you allowed to take one soldier back and give a thousand terrorists? There's all Makaris and Mishnayis and Shulchan Aruch and the Gemaras and everything. Everything has a Makar. And the Makaris, the Vulgarin famously said that everything can be answered from Beratius and it can all be answered from the word Beratius. Everything is in the Torah. And therefore, Rabbonim, Gedolim, Sadiqim, who know how to translate that into our terms, is such an incredible thing. The Gemara in Marcus, in the second parent, we're learning Marcus now. The Gemara says, Talmud Shagola, when a Talmud goes to Golas, what happens? He goes to Ari Miklot, because he killed unintentionally. Rabbi Goyle Imai. The Rebbe goes with him. Explains the Rishonim and Mukiyos and the Ran and others. What does that mean? He says, because a Talmud needs his Rebbe. Without his Rebbe, without his Rebbe, who's, who's his connection to few, you know, all the, all the Messiah and all the generations before that, that gives, him the, that gives him the whole direction where to go. So when a Talmud goes to Golis, it's not enough that the Talmud goes to Golis. The Rebbe has to go with him. You know, it's a good question. What did the Rebbe do wrong to deserve going to Golis? But the idea basically is, is that when, when, when a Talmud has a Rebbe, he requires that Rebbe. Right? It's a very, very important thing. You know, people often say, okay, great schmooze. Wonderful shmuz. You're giving me stories from the Beis Halevi. You're giving me stories from Ramosha. You're giving me stories from Gavaldiga Hashavah Yidin. We don't have these Yidin. We don't have such Yidin nowadays. And therefore, what are you telling me? Say that we have Gedolim, but they're not the Gedolim that used to be. Say Hanami. I would trust them if we had them. If I could ask Rabbi Kivega, and Rabbi Kivega told me, yes, the vaccine or not the vaccine. Of course I'd listen to Rabbi Kivega, but we don't have Rabbi Kivega. So therefore, what should I do? And the answer is, it's a mistake. And the reason is, and by the way, it's not even a mistake, it's also almost, it's almost kfira. Why? Because we're not actually having, it's not a muna in the chacham himself. We're not having a muna in him, in his actual guf. But we're having a muna in his Torah, in his das Torah, in his siyata dishmaya, and that's the Rabbi Nishalayim. So that can be in every generation. Rabbi Sai, it's very, very important, and, and I really stress this, and, I'm, and this is why I'm giving you this share, for every single person to have a Rebbe, 
to discuss things with, to consult things with, not only with Shaila's Lemaisa, which of course you need someone, people are running around the whole time. You know, people, I, I once got a phone call, I remember, from a lady about, it was a simple Shaila about a Shaitl or something with rollers or something on Shabbos or whatever. It was very interesting because I heard from the Shaila that she seemed to know the sugya, which is quite interesting. Normally when a woman calls up, she calls up with the Shaila, Muturasa, whatever, you tell her what to do. Hey, she called up, she seemed to know, like, how you know that? She said, oh, I already asked someone else, but they were machmer, but I heard you were make or so I'm calling you. Now, you're not allowed to do that, right? Alpi alocha, you're not allowed to do that, by the way. It's alocha, right? It's a gemara four times in shas. That once someone says it's osa, nobody else can matter it. You're not allowed to go around shopping. And people do that all the time, right? They shop for heterim. Oh, he's maker, so I'll go to him. And he's maker and that, so I'll go to him. It doesn't work that way. A person should have his mahalach, his rebbe, his, his source. When you do that, you have no fakers in life. You know what I'm saying? Now you have to have a munah. You have to have munah's chachamim. That's what we're dealing with over here. And munah's chachamim means I really believe. And, and it takes a certain madriga. But I'm telling you now, the person's life will be much more productive and much more successful. Why do I say productive? Because when you have a rebbe, when you have someone that you can discuss things with, he knows you've built a relationship with him, and therefore he's able to give you musa, he's able to help you, direct you in different ways, he understands your situation. So now when you go in Shadokhim, and now when you get married, now when you have children, now when you have Shalis of Chinach, now when you have Shalis, so it's all one big circle. Now in Aghanami, some people have a rebbe, a few rebbe, have a rebbe in this, have a rebbe in that. That's not a stira. But to go around shopping around, I always say, the more opinions you get, the more confused you're going to be. Right? And I've had this many times, right? Uh, I've dealt with people for a very, very long time. And I have people sometimes, every so often, they're like, okay, so I asked um, this Rebbe, I asked that Rebbe, I want to hear your opinion. What do I normally say? I'm not giving you my opinion. I'm not interested in opinions. It doesn't work that way. You're just going to get more confused. I can give you my opinion, but you're going to get more confused. It's not going to help you. Right? The more opinions you get, the more confused you get. You have to have someone that you trust, and then you go with him. Now, like I told you yesterday, could be he, the Shiloh is too big for him. No problem. If he's a big enough person, he'll say, this is not for me. Let's go to a Godel. Right? Somebody recently had this with, with them. They had a big Shiloh. So I said, we'll go to, we'll go to one of my Rebbeim. We'll go to ask him the Shiloh. This is too much for me. I'm not able to. It was a very, very, very serious thing. But it's not for me. You know, so it's very, very important, as we said yesterday, for your Rebbe to have a Rebbe also. There has to be a Masoira. So somebody asked, what happens if the Rebbe dies? And I've had a, a lot of my Rebbeim, who I was very, very close to, unfortunately are not here at this moment of time. So I try to find other ones. But sometimes also you know what they're going to say. When you're enough times with your Rebbe, you know what he's going to say. And you know, as you've gone through the Shaila so many times, you can almost, ah, he would tell me to do such a thing in such a situation. So you're living with him also. That's also very, very important. Right? Someone asks, who's Rebbe Chankinyaski's Rebbe? He doesn't have one in the Hanami, because there's no one bigger than him. He's the biggest. But he was enough time by his uncle, the Chazanish, and by his father, the Stipler, and others as well, that he knows what they would have said in such a situation. But the idea is das Torah. The idea is to connect to a higher source, to realize that we're not always in control. Mr. Sharon brings a Gavaldiga Moshal. He says, you know, I don't know if you ever did this, that, you know, they have these mazes, uh, corn maze, I think it's called, right? Where they have these, it's a maze that you actually are inside and you're trying to find your way out. What's it called? It's called a corn maze, no? They have them. That, you, ever saw it? you ever saw it, by the way? Yeah, we'll be on the... Yeah, I think I did. Anyway, um, so you have this maze, this full-life maze, and you have to try and find it out. Can you imagine if after four hours, just imagine after four hours, yeah, you're stuck. It's getting darker and darker, it's freezing cold, you're fed up, right? And there's, a, there's a, like a loudspeaker. Okay, just make a left, go straight, turn right, you'll be there. You look up, and there's this, I don't know if they have that, but they have this big guy, like, and this big, like, almost like a tower that, that watches the airplanes, whatever that's called, and he's watching, and he can see everyone. This way, if you get lost, he can direct you where to go out. 
right? So a typical man, he says, thank you very much, I don't need help, I don't need instructions, I don't need to ask anyone, I'm good. What, you're shaita? What, are you crazy? This guy is on top, he's above, he can see everything, he knows which way to go. Same thing was with Daskara, same thing was with the Rebbe. Sometimes, I know we think we're very smart, and we think we know everything, but we don't. All of us, each one, on our level, on our age, and our experience, could have learned more, and have people that have learned more, and have been in the, in the world for longer, and who've learned more Torah than us, who know more, who've dealt with people more. Therefore, it's not a bad thing to ask from someone else help. It's, it's, it's forget, if you don't ask for help, then you're in the wrong situation. Because you're like that person in the maze that's willing to be stuck and stay there overnight because I'm not going to ask for help. I think I can see. It doesn't make a difference. Gedolim, our rabbonim, our manhigim are people that can see from above. They've, they've had their life experience. They've been in the world longer than us. They've learned more Torah than us. And therefore, they understand situations more. Okay? And again, if it's too big for them, obviously they'll go to their rabbi. I want to just end with this Gavaldi Gamaisa. Tell you a Moedi Gamaisa, 1925, Rebelli Lopian. Lopian, 1925, was offered the position Famously, my grandfather learned by him, to be the Rosh Hashiva of Eitz Chaim Yeshiva in London. Right? So my grandfather learned by Rebellion Lapian in London. Now, London at the time was a spiritual desert. It was mamish, nothing going on over there. But Rebellion Lapian, spiritually, Rebellion Lapian felt that when he was offered the position, even though there wasn't like a thriving community and everything, I'm going to go, I'm going to machazik the community, which he did. It was after the war. Well, it was before the war, but he was there already then. But uh, it was a wartime. It was, you know, getting closer and closer. So he was, he was happy to go and influence the Jewish community over there. Okay? So that's what he did. He was very, very sensitive to his community, um, to everyone around over there. Now, when he lived in London, there was a widow and her orphan children. He didn't have a father. And he instructed his gaboyim in the house and his family members that however busy I am, I don't care what meeting I'm involved in. I don't know what communal, communal matters I'm involved in. If I'm learning about Chabuza, I don't care. This woman needs to come in. She's a, she's a widow. She has orphan children. She has no husband. They have no father. If you need something from me, I'm, I'm available 24 hours a day. Wake me up in the middle of the night. If she needs something, always come to me. It's very, very important. And those are the instructions she gave. Now, 1925, as I said, was before the war. But at, when the war all of a sudden started to happen and then the, the Nazi war machine started to make its way over to London... World War II. So there were many sections of the city that started to become bombed. And people were, you know, terror was all over the place. People didn't know where to go, what would be next. It was a very, very big battle in Britain at the time. And therefore, people didn't, a lot of people moved to the countryside. People left the country. You know, Rebellion Lopian's house was in no less danger than anybody else. But he decided, I am not leaving. I cannot leave people that need me. They need me for advice, for decisions. I have to be here for my community. I have to be here for my oidom. Early one Sunday morning, the widow, this widow that we discussed here before, lived nearby. She came knocking on Rebelle Lapian's house, and she was in a lot of a lot of pain. She had an urgent matter to discuss with the Rav, and obviously, as per instructions, she was immediately escorted into the Rav's house. Without anything, she burst out, Rabbi, there's a ship leaving this Wednesday to South Africa. I'm afraid for my children, I'm afraid for myself. Should I go to the ship and save our lives? It might be the last ship available out of here. Bombs are falling everywhere. Who knows if we're going to be killed? She was very, very agitated. She didn't know what to do. She was barely... It was crazy. Silence. Revelle Pian, who heard the Shaila, looked up and said something totally out of character. He said, I'm, I'm really, really sorry. I can't think clearly right now. Could you please come back a little bit later? Whoa, I never heard such a thing. 
So she had no choice. She left the house. And a few hours later, she came back. And obviously, she got straight back in. Okay. She got back in. And Ravel Lapian said to her, um, I'm really sorry. Could, could, you come, could you come back a different time, please? I'm not, sure. I'm, I'm, I'm not right now. I'm, I'm not right now. I can't do it right now. And, and, and she was like, ah, ah, this is like Pekuach Nevesh. I need to decide. There's a ship leaving soon. Do we, are we going to die? Are we going to live? Whatever it may be. He, he said, I, I just can't focus right now. She came twice more on that day. Right? Five the following day. Just to ask, what should I do? People are dying. There's a ship. You would have thought, like, what's the shadow, right? Someone's dying. So just get on the ship. What's the difference, right? You could die of it. She did not want to leave without her of Rebelli Lopian telling her what to do. She was turned away a few days. She stopped coming. She said, without an answer for Rebelli Lopian, she gave up on the idea. She decided not to leave for South Africa because she would not leave without permission from her Rebbe Rebellion. The ship set sail for South Africa on Wednesday morning, filled with people who hoped to be safe for the Nazi bombs. On Thursday, the news reported a terrible tragedy. That ship was sunk by a German U-boat that had been lurking in unsecure waters. There were no survivors. The widow, who along with her children, was saved from this tragedy because of her faith in her Rebbe, Rebelle Lopian, was Rebetzin Sternbuch, the mother of Ramosha Sternbuch, who right now eventually did go to South Africa, but right now is the Gaivid of Yerushalayim, of the Badat Edis HaKhamedis, one of the Gedolim, with many, many shayas and chuvas and svarim. Why was he saved? Because of her, her mother's, his mother's incredible faith in Das Torah. And that is something that all of us have to learn from as well. We, again, it doesn't make sense. But Benny Lopin's not answering me. So just go. What's the difference? That's what probably her neighbors told her. Just go. You can die here. If my Rebbe didn't say, I'm not going to do it. And it saved her life and all her family's life and produced generations of Tamidei Chachamim. But by say, sometimes we don't understand why we have to ask, but we do. We have to start training ourselves that Das Torah is the most important thing in our lives, even if it's a Shail of Asavacholov, or it's a Shail of Chinuch, or in Shidduchim, or in business, whatever it may be. Because this is what, in our personal minds, we can't have the sensitivity and the Shikola Das to make sometimes a balanced judgment. Gedolim, Das Torah, Rabbonim, who are in these things, are people that can. And that should be our chizik, that Be'ez Hashem, all of us, learn how to use Das Torah and Siyat Tishmai, the Rabbanish will give us a lot of Siyat Tishmai in our lives through this.